to Ouija Bronze. This is Devin. This is Liz. Liz, before we get into it, I think we have some patrons to thank. We do. I am functioning on all cylinders. <laughs> and how you know is that I looked this up before we sat down. And then I turned on the thing on Patreon, finally, that will actually track it. Proud of you. It was one click. <laughs> and I could have done that like so long ago. Well, They didn't always have this, but they've definitely had it for several months. I would have done it for you, but Patreon doesn't believe that I actually get access to our account and never will let me in. No, I, I just find out because they come back and there's like seven messages. Yep. Yeah. Like somebody's trying to steal your money. Yep. <laughs> no, it's nobody trying to steal money. It's me trying to send stickers to people. Sorry, folks. <laughs> I would like to thank Abby, Ember, Sloan, Erica, and Sarah. Thank you for your support. Thank, thank you. you to past and current patrons for your ongoing support. I am psyched because you told me you have what you think is a two-parter. I do believe this is a two-parter. It naturally kind of splits itself in twain. We've got a biological, ecological component that goes throughout. But I, I do think that this... I can give you a nice little cliffhanger on. So Ooh. folks, get ready to be teased and pleased, because I don't think you're getting the whole story today. This story begins over 300 years ago on the island of Hidakwai, just below the Alaskan panhandle in the graveyard of the Pacific. <gasps> About the year 1700, one of the island's ubiquitous Sitka spruce dropped a pine cone full of seeds and one particular seed, one among hundreds of seeds that fell that year from thousands of cones produced by tens of millions of Sitka spruce trees growing on the northwest coast, was different. This lucky seed, about the size of a grain of sand, managed to fall on the forest floor where it also accessed both enough nutrients from the ground and light to germinate. And then it became a seedling. Once it became a young tree and people could see it in its glory, it was apparent that it was very different because this tree was gold. <gasps> a golden tree. A golden tree. People that saw it say it glowed like it had a luminosity all of its own. It stood out among its primordial verdant brethren with this just shining conical beacon of otherworldly beauty. And be because of this, of course, it was sacred to the Haida, who are the indigenous population of Haida Gwaii, the island. It also became revered by the white settler community, and it managed to survive the intense old growth logging of the Pacific Northwest until... 1997, when it was cut down by one man in an act of protest. How old was the tree? About 300 years old. Oh my god. A golden spruce. A golden spruce. That man who cut it down, Grant Hadwin, is still missing to this day. Whoa, okay. But was he swallowed by an unforgiving sea? Did he disappear into the Yukon on purpose, or was he murdered in an act of revenge? He and the tree faked their own deaths, took off together. Oh, it's just like Bat Squatch and D.B. Cooper that we were talking mm -hmm. about in 
our yep. warm-up episode. Well, you've totally, absolutely trashed my beautiful, like, narrative intro because my next line was, this is the story of Kid Kios. This is the story of the Golden Spruce. But, like, that, does, now, that doesn't have gravity anymore because you just told me that the tree and the man faked their deaths to go be, like, you know, dendrophiliacs together. At this point, if you thought I was going to let you seductively read through an entire episode intro, I think that's more on you than it's me. absolutely on me. It's absolutely <laughs> on me. This is, yep, I'm the frog carrying the scorpion across the stream. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. The- you knew I was going to make it gay and weird. <laughs> yes. You when you picked me up. Yes. Oh my god, I knew I knew you were like this when I married you. Jesus. Yep. <laughs> I have in my notes. I have in my notes before we get to the usual cussing and goofing. Um <laughs> <laughs> Nope, already well, done next happened. Time, tell me about those notes. <laughs> already done happened, Devin. I do want to say that the inspiration and majority of my research for this episode came from the book The Golden Spruce. I absolutely recommend this book because John does a really good job of giving a ton of page space to the Haida story of their history as an indigenous group, of their interactions with other indigenous people and the tree and the white settlers. He talks at length about the spiritual and cultural importance of Kid Kios. Oh my god, he fucking talks for fucking ever about fucking logging. And... It's (laughs) It's <laughs> fascinating. Like, I truly do believe this is a worthy read, but we're not going to get into the history of logging in this episode. It was just one, like, chunk of information too much. I get it. We'll talk about modern logging because it's obviously important to Kid Kios. Y'all, y'all know that we had all kinds of settlers come in, cut down a bunch of trees, and now those trees are bye-bye. With that said... Valiant's impetus for writing this book is, as I said, on that day in 1997, logger and environmental activist Grant Hadwin swam across the freezing waters of a river near Hecate Strait to cut down Kid Kios in protest. Logger and environmental activist. I know. I'm intrigued to hear more about this. Isn't that interesting? Certainly when... Grant was starting out as a logger in the 60s, in the late 50s, early 60s. That was an absolute oxymoron. You couldn't be both. Today, you would find loggers who absolutely consider themselves environmental activists, much in the way Ducks Unlimited considers themselves conservation, even though they're working for hunters. You know, loggers today Mm -hmm. do want to manage the land in such a way that, well, (laughs) individual loggers today, not corporations that are out for money, individual loggers today do usually want to manage the land in such a way that it's not as detrimental to the land as the industry would have it be and understand the importance of very selective timber removal. But at the time, Grant was absolutely three decades before anyone else Mm -hmm. could have considered themselves both things. Interesting. So I googled it because I wanted to see if there was a picture. You're looking up the Golden Spruce, what do you see? I wanted to see the way in which it looked different than just a dead tree, you know? Does it look different to you? Or does it look like a dead tree? (sighs) I don't even know that I would say 
golden in some of the unedited pictures. Mm. It's very striking, but it's a very, very pale yellow green on my screen. On your screen. But I bet it would have looked very cool in real life, and it does not look sick. It doesn't look ailing It looks hearty, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It looks like it's supposed to look like this. Yes, yes, it does. And even the fact that it looks like that and you say like, oh, it it looks like it's supposed to. For a Sitka spruce, it doesn't. I mean, color aside, the golden spruce, Kid Kias, was peculiar for its shape. Sitka spruce apparently are supposed to be, they're kind of leggy, they're kind of asymmetrical. And so it's very strange when you look at the Sitka spruce and you see how dense it is. It's like a shrub. And it's got this very, like, classic Christmas tree conical shape to it. Yeah, it doesn't look like the trees that are all around Mm -hmm. it at all. Mm -hmm. Very, very different in appearance, which is just adding to its mystique as a tree. Oh, okay, okay. Wait, before we go any further in here, it doesn't look like a spruce. And it's not the color of a spruce. Did anybody check <laughs> if this was just a different kind of tree? I promise you. That was in with all the other ones? I promise you. So with the the, <laughs> the, uh, the explorers in the area were definitely aware of it. They saw it, you know, as early as the mid to late 1700s. But it wasn't known to scientists. It wasn't examined by scientists until 1924. So this tree is already over 200 years old. And that's that's what Scottish timber surveyor Sir Wyndham and Thruster. Oh, sure. I know it sounds like I slurred, but I don't know how else to pronounce this name. Sir William saw it and he was like, oh, is this a new species? Is this like totally not a Sitka spruce or is it dying? Was it struck by lightning? It's kind of weird, guys. I don't know what's going on. But he did take a sample and it was found out that this is a Sitka spruce, but with a very rare genetic mutation. Mm. It is such a rare genetic mutation that it earned this particular example of the species its own Latin name. So for uh, Sitka spruce, the Latin, which, you know, I can't pronounce Latin, but I believe is Picea sicinicis. And this has the epithet aurea, which means golden or splendid. Cool. So this golden spruce, Kid Kias, is the, at the time, only example of a Picea or Picea sicinicis aurea. Okay, you just started calling it by that name, too? The, what is the name? Kid something? Kid Kios is the Hata name. Okay, can you name. explain that? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Hata name. We are so all over the place in my notes that my very linear description of, <laughs> <laughs> of this story is fucked up. Kid Kios is the Hata name for it, and that one I did respect enough to go on to Google and listen to several Haida people pronounce it so that I know I'm doing it right. What, what some Romans are going to come for you if you don't get the Latin right? Yeah, you made the right choice. Thank you. Thank you. Picked the one that was important to me. Which do you want to hear about first? Do you want to hear about the scientific weirdness of it or do you want to hear about its history to the Haida people? Get Let's get the science out of the way. The The genetic weirdness of this 
plant on the inside. And then I want to know how the people who lived with it interacted. Okay. That's a great, I think that's a great order to do it in. Before I get into this next part, Liz, let's take a moment to thank our sponsor. Yeah. Our sponsor, of course, is the wonderful Jesse of Jesse Ingalls Land Brokerage. She is Jesse Sells Land on Instagram. That's J-E-S-S-E underscore sells underscore land. And she's got some really big news that she just shared on Instagram this week that she said I can share on the podcast. Oh, okay. She's now an independent broad, as she put it in her text to me. She is operating her very own real estate firm now. Okay. Yeah. So get it, Jesse. That means that she is in complete creative control of her brand. That means that she is going to blog more. She's working with clients a lot more closely to feature them on the blog or on the front page of her website. She gets to have even more control over the land that she does sell. And of course, the reason why Jessie works with us is because she sells weird land. Mm -hmm. She's very willing to sell old farmsteads and haunted houses and properties that have mine shafts on them. Just bizarre things that you and I would get a kick out of wandering around. I think her most interesting property that she has right now is the one that she she calls it the double horned unicorn. Interesting. And it's it's an interesting property because it borders public land, so you've you're not going to have somebody developing next to you. It has three ponds, two cabins already built, a well and electricity. It's super secluded but also only 30 minutes from a grocery store. Okay, interesting. Right? This sounds like a really fun property. So you can go to WashingtonStateLandForSale.com and check out all of Jessie's listings. Or you can, of course, check her out on Instagram to see her highlighted posts. Very cool. Yeah, we want to thank Jessie so much for sponsoring us. Yeah, thank you, Jessie. And congratulations on... on Miss Independent. Yes, Independent (laughs) Rod. Love it, girl. Get it. Yeah. Modern researchers estimate that Kid Chaos was germinated in about the year 1700. And we do know that its golden color was the result of a genetic mutation. And it's really surprising that the tree was able to survive this mutation because... Not to be too reductionist, but we know that plants and trees use chlorophyll. They use Mm -hmm. that green pigment that you see in leaves and needles to photosynthesize, which is how they convert sunlight to energy for growing, for living. In the case of Kid Kios, it was lacking chlorophyll, which allows the yellow, orange, and red pigments, which (gasps) are called carotenoids, to show through. I learned that that's why leaves change color in the fall. It is. It it's is. It's not because they're adding red. Mm-hmm. It's because they're taking away the green. They're taking away the green. The Isn't that interesting? Stuff. Okay. So basically, it was a non-evergreen evergreen. It was a non-evergreen evergreen. It was. It's a condition called chlorosis, which is exactly what you chlorosis. described in deciduous trees losing their leaves as they turn colors. 
you often will find it on otherwise healthy trees. You'll see chlorosis on a single branch, and the rest of the tree can survive despite this one finger not working. It can still use the rest of its hand, right? Mm -hmm. But in this case, for an entire tree with chlorosis to live, scientists say it's theoretically impossible. What is it eating? (gasps) Is it eating people? Is it eating people? Are there bones always kind of just around the base? Is it the Venus flytrap? Have you watched Life of Pi or read Life of Pi lately or something? No, our Venus flytraps are blooming. Well, there you go. That's something. (laughs) What scientists think is happening is that where it is on the bank of the Yakun River, it's growing at such an angle to the water where the angle of incidence of the light reflecting off the water up into the branches gives it enough sunlight for it to photosynthesize, because it still can, it's just a very limited capacity. But that gives it enough to photosynthesize without blasting it with the full effect of the sun's UV radiation, which would kill it. It's mind-boggling. It's like this tree... I mean, I guess it's not mind-boggling because that's just evolution. If it was, if it had landed anywhere else, it never would have grown into a tree. But it happened to be that this seed grew in a spot where there's tons of rain, there's tons of cloud cover. It's not going to get burned up by the sun because it's not getting a ton of sun. So, so it's kind of like an albino tree. It's similar. Yeah, it would burn. Yeah, it's. It could burn, but it didn't. It didn't. It could get it could get sunburned. Actually, what I guess it was likened to was a human living with like 30% lung capacity. Oh. But in this case, the human didn't live with 30% lung capacity. They went on to be like a high school field and track star with 30% lung capacity. Interesting. Kit Kiosk got huge, dude. Mm-hmm. It was Seven feet in diameter. It was 160 feet tall. It was 300 years, and Sitka spruce can live up to 800. He was in the prime of life. I do say he for a reason, because in Haida oral history, Kid Kias, also known as the Elder Spruce, was a boy. Oh, okay. In this story of... Kid Kios, there was a village, and this village was ravaged by disease, and a young boy and his grandfather managed to escape. They got into the woods while their whole village perished, and as they're walking away, the grandfather admonishes his grandson, do not look back. While they're on their journey, though, they make it to the banks of the Yakun River, and the boy remembers his fishing gear, which he, of course, left back at the village. So, in nostalgic remembering, he turns back to look at the village. And at that moment, his legs and feet become roots and a tree trunk and his arms become branches. And he transforms into Kid Kias, the golden spruce. And his grandfather tells him, you will be a tree, but everyone will visit you. Everyone will love you. Everyone will know your story. There's a YouTube channel that I want everybody to go to right now. It's only got like a hundred subscribers, but it is the Hata Storytelling Society on YouTube. And they have 
about 10 videos. Oh my God. And you know how much I hate claymation. You <laughs> know how much I hate claymation. I didn't but, actually. That's amazing. Oh, I loathe it. Wallace and Gromit, eat a dick. Coraline, get fucked. Nightmare Before Christmas, you're out of here. The sheep from the Serta commercial, I will set you on fire, you tiny dicks. I hate claymation. It is disgusting. I don't know. There's something about it, the way it moves, and it's wrong, and the people always have little cracker teeth like Ewoks, and I hate it. Oh, they're the worst. Okay. Worse. All right. But you got to go watch this claymation done by the Hate of Storytelling Society. The video has like 100 views and their, their, their channel has seven subscribers, one of whom is me. But you all got to go watch it because it's great. It's, it's designed and voiced and animated by these amazing Hate of Storytellers. That does sound very cool. It's really neat. I'm thinking about the story because I feel like the you can't look back at the destruction mm-hmm. story is very archetypal, right? Like we've got Isn't Orpheus it? and Eurydice and we've got yeah. Lot and Lot's wife and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But I mm-hmm. feel like I, I should go watch the video because I'm intrigued as to what it almost sounds like the grandfather has power that he can sort of soften the blow of this. I, I'm trying to figure out what the magic part was. Like they're right. they're escaping this disease and then they can't look back but the kid does look back but he becomes a tree but it's a very particular blessed tree and i'm like was it because to escape the grandpa was working a spell and if they broke it that's what happened or was it just sort of generically like in the environment these were the terms of escaping that and the grandfather couldn't stop it but he could soften the blow. And nobody needs to answer these questions. They're just things <laughs> I'm thinking about. Right. I mean, I think they're they're really valid. And what um, what is said online is that the story is a listen to your elders. Oh, okay. That's that's the lesson you're supposed to take from it. And indigenous and first persons and Native American oral history traditions, their storytelling is not linear in the way that our thinking of stories is and so you you don't question like why the dude turned into a tree or was there magic at work these things mm-hmm. were just kind of given and the the thing you were supposed to take away from it was your elders know better than you do what they say it's, it's like that in the other ones i cited too of like i don't know because you can turn into a pillar of salt because that's how it is <laughs> i just i think that's so marvelous that you made that connection because that's a part in the book where a reporter is asking a hate a man do you do you really believe that Kid Kios is a little boy? And he goes, yeah. Do you really believe that a woman is a pillar of salt? <laughs> it's exactly got that parallel to yeah. the biblical story. Well, I'll tell you a little bit more about Haida Gwaii, which is the homeland of the Haida people. It's in the Pacific Ocean, smack dab between Vancouver Island and Sitka, Alaska, And it's separated from the mainland Canada by this stretch of water called Hecate Strait, which, okay, I had to look that one up to pronounce because I always thought it was like Hectate. And the internet tells me it is Hecate Mm -hmm. unless you are in a Shakespearean play and then it's Hecate because sometimes you needed that pronunciation for iambic pentameter. Well, okay. 
Isn't that marvelous? Like, I had no idea, but now I think I'm saying it right. <laughs> I don't know. There's a special Shakespeare way of saying it. Special Shakespeare way. So, Hecate, straight, is notorious for horrendous seas. Apparently. <laughs> there's like one stretch in the entire coast that isn't. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, it is called the Graveyard of the Pacific, but this is worse. It's just a place you avoid if you can. It's very wide, but apparently very shallow for its width. Not that I know anything about what a, a wide or deep or shallow is in the ocean, but it's between 30 and 87 miles wide, depending on where you are, coastland and island. And its shallowness means that it's more prone to violent storms and really rough seas. Mm, I guess yeah. I guess deep water usually is calmer, right? If you've got something that's shallow, it's easier to agitate, I suppose. That makes sense to me. That makes sense. But this feature actually helped keep the Haida people relatively safe from mm. other indigenous groups as well as sat- settlers for a very long time. Other indigenous tribes, the Haida actually knew how to transverse Hecate Strait, so they would go over to land and raid, and then they knew how to get back across Hecate yeah. Strait. But the other tribes were like, fuck, we don't want to mess with this <laughs> bitch of a sea. We're yeah. not touching that. Just see you later, bozos. Mm-hmm. Don't come back here. <laughs> they had contact with Spanish. Um, they, it's possible that they had contact with the Chinese, even in the 1200s. Oh, yeah, Fusang. Okay. Fusang, correct. Mm-hmm. It's it's possible that Chinese sailors went up that high. But for sure, we know that the first group of European settlers who encountered the Haida and survived came in a Spanish ship in the mid-1700s, and they traded with them for a few hours until the weather got so bad that they had to leave. That must have been so strange. Mm-hmm. It must have been like a visit from aliens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just these weird looking people roll up and they're like, yeah. would you like some candles or some yeah. teacups? And you're like, okay. Right. You're like, oh, are you good? Huh. Do you need some food or what? Okay, bye. Right. right. Have some fish, I guess, guys. Can Y'all you imagine if you, overs- if you were like out sick that day? Or you were hunting or yes. something, and you and uh, you get back to the village, and everybody's like, "Yeah, these weird people showed up right. and traded right. with us. They don't speak our language, and they're dressed so strange. And yeah. well, we now we have these trade goods, and you're like, you're you're shitting me. You're all yeah. punking yeah. me. Exactly. You're all pranking like, me just because I laughed yeah. for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. no, he yeah, was right sure, here. Mom. You just missed him. <laughs> oh, they were right here. I swear. I yeah. swear, I got one of the guy's names. It was like Fernando. Isn't that a weird name? <laughs> Couldn't make that up, man. Um, the, the thing I read on the internet about the guy, his name is Fernando, and he moved to the north of England, and every time he'd introduce himself, people would say, ah, do you hear the drums? Because of the ABBA song, and he just thought it was oh. a weird thing that people said to say <laughs> hello to each other. <laughs> Oh my god, you hear the drums? <laughs> oh my god. How's it going? Gosh. No, just you, Fernando. 
Just, you, oh my gosh, the first person he stuck his hand out to and he got to speak first and said, do you hear the drums? <laughs> Just think about, he's me, Liz. He's me. Gay is a meatball. He's me. Just misinterpreting things right and left. God love him. Oh, Fernando. But nobody has the heart to say it. Lid thinks that the heckler Muppets are called Statley and Waldorf, and I don't have the heart to correct her. You know, because you love when... It, that's Elmer. That's Elmer. <laughs> <laughs> you love when people Dude. misidentify things slightly. Yep, it's the funniest thing in the world to me. It's oh hilarious. Oh my god, I've oh, been man. laughing for like three weeks. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna send it to you. In You're case people are wondering, right. this is what it's like when I do an episode stone cold sober. Oh. I have no focus. It's no so focus, good. but I'm going to get this thing and I'm going to show it to you and you're going to understand this is like the pinnacle of humor for me. I'm I'm sorry. The fact that you texted me and our friend B in a group chat while we've been talking? Excuse you. You were bouncing. <laughs> right. I can't think back that we far took a in time. Break in between the warm up and now. We'll okay, neither confirm nor deny. Oh my god, you're already you've lost it. Alright, folks, Liz sent me Smork alarm <laughs> in all caps. Smork alarm. Smork alarm. Oh my god, I'm texting that to my husband. Smork. In case there's smork, Liz, Le- you must hear the alarm. Will alarm? Will alarm The smork alarm. Smork alarm. Oh my god. Okay. 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 Haydick Y is called the Canadian Galapagos by scientists sometimes because it has so many unique endemic species. So first of all, it's got the largest subspecies of black bear. And it's just across the Hecate Strait from the population of spirit bears on mainland Canada. Spirit Spirit bears? Mm-hmm. They're the, the all-white-colored black bears it, in Canada. What? They're known as spirit bears. Oh, they're beautiful There's and bizarre. Oh, yes. Yes. White There's black bears? White black bears. That's pandas. Um, <laughs> so there's a whole population? There's a whole of, population of oh. spirit bears. It's not albinism, and I don't actually think it's leukism because I don't think they have blue eyes, but they have a recessive gene that makes their fur white. It's kind of a creamy color. It's not pure white like you think of as a polar bear. But it's um, just like the it's, tree. It's an off-white. It's just like the tree. Well, speaking of, in the area in the 1980s and 90s, in the area of Kid Kiosk, several modern towns around it, because of Kid Kiosk became a tourist destination, people mm. came to see this beautiful tree. In the closest town, they had a resident albino raven. Oh my gosh. Apparently incredibly uncommon, just beyond rare. But that, coupled with 
the Golden Spruce brought all kinds of tourists to the town. Mm-hmm. In addition to this raven and the bears, the waters around Haidaguay are home to this kind of unique sickleback fish. I don't know what it is, don't care about fish, but I know it's unique and special <laughs> here in the Canadian Galapagos. And there's also a rare sea sponge that is found, I don't remember if it's in profusion or only in and also in profusion, this one place. And then in the forest, you get rare orchids. Oh. Just a cool place to be. The Haida people have lived on Haidaguay for almost 13,000 years. Dang. Just mind-boggling amount of time to have one group of people live in the same space, just that kind of history and closeness to your area, you know, just feeling it in your bones is wild to me. At the height of Haidaguay's population in the 1700s, the late 1700s, there were 30,000 people living on the island, actually, and that included Haida and then the slaves that they had taken from settlers and from other tribes. Mm-hmm. But 100 years later, by 1862, a smallpox, a smallpox epidemic killed 70% of the island's population. So today, there are only about 4,500 people living on Haida Gwaii, and fully half of them are Haida people. Mm. What author John Valence says is that Sitka spruce are like oversexed, creatures. They are hermaphroditic and they will also breed with any other kind of spruce tree near them. So they are prolific breeders. Uh, I'm getting a lot of judgmental vibes on how John <laughs> talks about these trees. I, I, think John, I think John is vibing. I think he's into it because okay. he's definitely remorseful when he relays that Kit Kios is sterile. Kit Kios. I wow. know. So the odds of another golden spruce appearing are almost nil. The fact that one became into being is, of course, ultra rare, but it would not pass on its mutated genes to any other tree through cones and seeds. Mm. So for 300 years, Kid Kios stood on the banks of the Yakun River, shining its impossible golden color. Enter stage right northwest logging (gasps) okay because of course the story of kid kiosk comes into the modern age and what we knew about the modern age is that it's very frightening it's full of machines it's full of people who want to make money but it is also full of people who want to save the trees yeah so there may be hope for kid kiosk i'm very nervous you should be thank you you're welcome you're welcome. <laughs> it's ominous. I'm a little worried about this tree. It's it's it was it didn't it wasn't supposed to be. It wasn't supposed to live. It was the impossible tree in the impossibly perfect location. And that's just I'm concerned. I'm concerned. I have a concern. Don't you worry your pretty little head because you're going to find out the answer to this cliffhanger probably a lot sooner than the people who are listening along at home are just by way of release schedules. So take a little bit of comfort in that fact. But whatever happened to the tree probably already happened, though. Whatever happened to the tree happened, but I don't think the end of a story is usually ever the end of a story. 
Well, I like that energy. Good. Good. Well, my friends, if you want to find out what happens to Kid Kios, please stay with us. Catch us on Podbean. Catch us on iTunes. Catch us on the podcast catcher of your choice so that you can hear part two of this. In the meantime, we are, of course, on all the socials. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. You can talk along with us on those. You can check out our website. Our website has links to our Society6 and our Etsy in case you want to get yourself a little merch. What else do we have, Miss Blodgett? Nope, that's not your name anymore. <laughs> that what was, else? You were 0 for 2 on that. <laughs> I, yep. Yep, I was. Just thinking back to high school. What else do we have? I don't know. I was too distracted by, by your flight attendant voice. <laughs> and over Try here, again. we have um, a one of these. And over we, do, and and it, do. it was musical, and I was lost in the fantasy. Did we talk about, we got... The patron, patreon.com slash Broads. We've got Instagram, Twitter, and did Facebook. Those. You did mm-hmm. those? Okay. Yep. I didn't do the Patreon, though. Very good call out. If you would like to toss a little coin to your Witcher, join us on Patreon. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> isn't, isn't, isn't that, don't kids still play the Witcher? Ger- Gerard Butler or whatever his name is. Gerald? Gerard? How do you say his name? Gestalt? Gaston, I know, is wrong, but I'm going to go with it. Conversation. (laughs) I don't know names. Stay tuned for the next episode, friends. I got to wrap this up. The energy. <laughs> this is a very weird energy on this episode. I'm, I brought entirely the wrong vibe. It's kind of <sighs> spooled out, hasn't it? But that's okay. Oh, my darlings, we hope that you join us for the next episode. But of course, beyond that, we hope that you live weird. Die weird. And stay weird. Thank, Thank you, you for listening. listening.